0: Dr. Kane, you were a top-level researcher at USAMRID from 94 to 97,
1: were you not? Yes, that's correct. And you were summarily dismissed in the summer of 1997. Any idea why? My services were no longer required.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So, in your opinion, your firing had nothing to do with an experimental anthrax vaccine that you developed and administered to nearly 140,000
2: U.S. soldiers in May of that year.
1: It may have been a factor. you'd have to ask the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I'll make a note to do that, but for now, can you tell me what happened to the soldiers that were inoculated with your vaccine? Well, uh, none of them got anthrax, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> yeah. What did they get? Um, well, as with any new vaccine, there were certain... Side effects associated with it. Could you be more specific? Well, it was a wide range of things. It's very technical. I'd hate to waste the court's time getting into it right now. Humor me. Some uh, debilitating stomach cramps, severe diarrhea, memory loss.
0: Yes. Uh, Go on. Any more
1: symptoms? Partial facial paralysis, temporary blindness, drooling bleeding gums, erectile dysfunction, uncontrollable flatulence. I think that's it.
0: One more question. Do you happen to remember what the soldiers called this illness, Dr. Kane? Yes,
1: yes. To the six, we be in the mix with yes. that rare candy paint job on
0: the whip. I need food for the kids, money for the rent. Fuck a lockdown, baby, I can't do that shit. And I don't know-
2: Okay, we're recording on Easter. It's not coming out on Easter, but Happy Easter, everybody! He is risen. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. He is he he is risen. It's a beautiful day here in California. Um, we're uh, and it's just it's perfect, absolutely perfect. Got good good light coming through the windows. Now um, it's funny because I've I've talked to our our guest quite a bit actually, but never on just our regular old free feed. Like it just hasn't it just hasn't happened. Like we've done we've we've always been behind behind some kind of paywall or membership thing um, except for our last conversation that we had um, which I will get to but um, you may remember him if you're a subscriber to our Substack. in the early early stages of that we did a a real nice deep dive of uh, Peter Gabriel um, on there which I just recently found out he was coming back on tour again because Peter Gabriel releases um, every every full moon he releases a song which is pretty crazy (laughs) yeah no i love his his instagram is hilarious like he'll just be like well, he's like he's like has this chart and he's just like well it's time to come out with a new song and uh and and uh and and like they're they're cool they're fine like they're they're not embarrassing so that's that's cool like as long as uh, he's at that stage of his career where it's like if you're gonna make new music just don't embarrass me and he's not embarrassing me so that really crazy. is
3: the kind of uh, male kate bush type move to- like uh totally yeah he, he really is so so we have we um
2: i found out the week of my birthday he's going to be in san francisco performing yeah you got some tickets right i got tickets man i'm so excited i'm I'm so excited to see like the crazy like disney on ice like rotating stage that he does i'm just i'm so in i can't i cannot wait i can't wait to see like red tinted putin faces pop up on the on the screen (laughs) donald donald trump like uh, hiding paper secret documents like weird montages like roger watersy type stuff I cannot wait. Yeah. I can't wait for that. I'm going to, I'll be indoctrinated. This podcast might change after that happens. I might, I might end up, I might end up being groomed by Peter Gabriel. Become a, a Gabriel libtard. <laughs> if, if you could pick the type of libtard that you could be, I probably would pick him where you just travel around yeah. the world and find some like Ethiopian kid banging on a trash can, and be like, this is, this is music. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys don't understand. Like, that would be me. That's exactly what I would do. And yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: No, it would be the best one to be because it, it's like, it's kind of what we like talked about uh, on the that like previous episode, but he has that kind of like eighties like live age <laughs> yeah, kind of like like I don't know, like corporate charity. But like now, I think that that's like I don't know. It's funny. I was just listening to um, uh, my my buddy Will was on Puffy Nationalist oh, talking yeah, about yeah. Depeche Depeche, Mode. Depeche Mode
2: episode. Great episode. And
3: uh, and Jack was like talking about like Lion King like baboon cave painting <laughs> like i feel like he he has a real talent for like summarizing a vibe oh, yeah. in, a f- in a few like representative words and i was like damn i wish i had the that to hand i wish i had that like language to hand when i was trying to to describe like the peter gabriel charity vibe you know like, uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's exactly what
2: it is it, he made lion king he made like the lion king soundtrack it's crazy that he's not even involved
3: yeah <laughs> um no it, it's like it's that kind of vibe that's like adjacent to right. like uh deep forests uh-huh. like 80s and 90s like ambient music or yeah. uh you know that kind of thing like um the principles of lost <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> enigma yeah exactly
2: so but but that being said you know you came on for the peter gabriel but at that time correct me if i'm wrong you had not exactly you were you were in the process of recording a bunch of stuff for your for your new venture uh bistro californium how however you hadn't really released much yet right yeah, yeah. At, at i time. was
3: i was in the the like limbo period where i had recorded like about maybe 12 or 13 episodes with different people. And then I'd never, I hadn't edited one yet. And I was like really procrastinating hard. Um, I was just like finishing off my master's as well. And I was really managing my time very poorly. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and I know it was like really, I think, uh, you know, I, during that time, I was going on various other podcasts, including yours. and And then people, including you, very sweetly, kind of gave me like encouragement and showed interest, and that probably you know helped. Uh, I mean, I was like, I was pretty committed on some level, but there was that kind of like, yeah, gnawing, like, oh, is this really ever gonna happen? Am I ever really gonna do this? Do I have mm-hmm. the balls to like put this out? Um, so yeah, like the interest that, that you got that you showed, uh, you know, at the very end was like a little kind of uh, helpful, little motivating impetus to get it all uh, done and released and now um coming up on our like there should be one dropping today on the um the most recent john wick movie with mage and hole mm-hmm. um which is a really really great conversation and i think it's going to be like our maybe 20th episode wow i kind yeah, of lost by. track a little bit so flies yeah mm-hmm. yeah and uh, and then i've got like uh, an episode with jack coming out um Which should be this Wednesday. Wonderful. Madeline Lengel's A Wrinkle in Time. It's like a really, really fun conversation. And basically, so. I, I hate to say this, just for time to
2: line up, we're going to sit on this one for a week. So it's already out. Go get all those guys. The, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> go, go listen to all those. Yeah, they're already out. So, um, um, no, that's great. And, and I will say, when you start a podcast, anybody out there, I, I am pro everybody should try it. I'm That's my thing. Everybody should try it. If you think you have something to say, try it. Because you'll know right away if you want to do it or not. And or if you want to keep going. Two or three episodes in, you're yeah. going to be like, is this for me? Usually you can tell. Um, now, you know, you, I've listened to your to your podcast, including the one that I, I went on. Yeah, of um, you, you are on it. Yeah. Yeah. You have you have this you have a, a quite a production that happens on, on your podcast, which is which is uh, which is really, really cool. Now, for a lot of people who are um, and I know Jack talks about this a lot, but but you have this like not you, but a lot of people have this perfectionist. I'll release it when it's time. You, oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody needs somebody to come in and just Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross their their situation and just go put the shit out let's go let's go put it out like because it's not so much that you know it's not podcasting is is very much a uh next episode next episode next episode you put one out you put one out like it's not a novel it's not a film it's not anything where you can spend your whole year doing that it's when you do that your productivity will just completely go down and you won't get the return that you think you're getting on it um but what people want to do is they want to hear just more of you when they like you you know they want to hear you weekly or bi-weekly whatever whatever they just like hey what when's the next time you talk when does that come out you know like that's how this how this comes and you're you're like you know when i went on your show uh that was uh, people don't realize i think we talked about it on the episode but like that was like a two-day process where we were like hey can we like this they're changing role doll there it's an emergency it was terror level orange like we, you know, and it was crazy. And yeah. I, don't think I listened to it. I'm expecting this to come out and it's like, you know, like, hey, boom, here's the conversation because that's what I do, honestly, is like put it out there. You no, know, you had your mom reading on it. Like you had like music oh, yeah. in the background. It was like crazy. I was like, well, how did you do that so
3: fast? uh yeah by neglecting other important things (laughs) no that's the way to do it no I really like I love that like kind of shock troops um approach to getting things out it's like a really fun challenge uh to like try and meet and I think you know by the time it it was out the like discourse has slightly moved on I was like Uh I tried to get it as like close to the the moment as possible and it's the kind of same with this like John Wick thing because there's a lot of like buzz about the new movie uh so they're kind of like in a way they're they're almost like these episodes that are outside the sort of like overarching plan that i've developed initially but it's really then fun to like bring them into the canon and like assign them their place and they yeah. uh, you know th- these are the ones that tend to come out on like weekends you know whereas my general day of release is wednesday um, right but i mean the the reason i recorded a, a whole bunch of them Uh, and had this huge cache in the beginning was because one of the earliest pieces of advice I got um, was was from Orton uh, because I I messaged him Mm -hmm. when I was like thinking of starting one and he said to always have like a regular release Mm -hmm. Uh, so now that I've started I've tried very hard to like keep it kind of like a consistent release schedule like at least one a week you know it's um, how you have to do it man people people have very
2: short memory span and oh yeah um, yeah and people will do things like listen to you at 1.5 speed which i think oh is, yeah I think it's sociopathic honestly like yeah, I, I i i when somebody somebody like posted a, um a cap of us like like a like a like a, a snippet like because they thought it was funny but i was like who the fuck is that but it was just me talking at 1.5 which i speak <laughs> fast to begin with so i i like I, I get it. You're trying to like cram that you, maybe you only have two or three hours in the day of your slower time, of your work day to like cram through podcasts, but like people will like blow through your, even your two hour episode. They find a way to to cut that in, you know, an hour 10 or something. You know what I mean? Like they have, they find a way to do that. So it's like, there'll be people who will be like, Hey man, when's the next one come out? It's like, oh Jesus, man! All right, like hold on, let me, let me, <laughs> let me. uh That's why I like to keep a little bit of a back catalog, especially with something like today. We're yeah. talking about a movie from 2001, so there's no rush for you guys to go see it if you haven't already. Uh, though, though, we at, by the end of this, we'll we hope that you do. And um, but one thing I love about your show is that you manage to, uh, I think, I think nostalgia has kind of a reddity tone to it for the most part, but you managed to drop the R slash from it when you, when you, when you speak about it, where it uh, Yeah. Which I think is the ultimate compliment for, for nostalgia people, because I like it too. I love thinking about the things that I liked as a kid um, coupled with what I know now with the stuff that I'm consuming now, it's kind of like a, uh, and then going back to that with, with the knowledge that I already have and just watching something that I, that I, Obviously had my attention as a kid, whether it was the only thing on or something that uh, I look forward to every week, something that I could set a clock to and go see where if it was a TV show. But if it was a movie, you know, for me, like I was I was an only child. So when I'd be home during the summers, you know, you could have as many friends as you want, but when you're an only child, you're still alone. Most of the time, it's just, it's just the way it is. Your friends have their brothers and sisters that they go do things with for a while. So I would just watch the same things over and over and over again. And it sounds like you, you know, maybe we don't have the same, you know, uh, upbringing, but like you were a similar person where you kind of like just ingested the same thing. Oh yeah. Well, if you have,
3: if you have a younger sister and you like watch a movie on like a VHS cassette, um, and then what will happen is, like, she she becomes obsessed with it, and then she just, like, is just watching it hundreds and hundreds of times yeah. throughout the day. And it's just, like, on ambiently in your house. Um, and then, obviously, like, you know, you also watch things over and over. I mean, we talked about this with... I talked about this with Jack as well in The Wrinkle in Time, because that's, like, a kind of a the earliest young adult novel. And so... But, yeah, I like, nostalgia is a very interesting topic for me. And I think that, like... You know, what, what is like Reddit about the, the the approach to it that some people take? I guess what is the Reddit approach to nostalgia? Is this like, um, I think it's what we were kind of just talking about before you're rolling, right? Where I think when you're a kid, you encounter a lot of media in this incomplete form. Mm-hmm. You catch like snatches of it. I remember, I'm sure I've mentioned this on another podcast, but I have vivid memories of like, uh, you know, in the year 2000, I was in a Quebec uh, hotel lobby and there was a TV on that was playing like Dragon Ball Z in French. Wow. And uh, and it was like the episode where Frieza kills Krillin. And it was in French, so it was incomprehensible to me. I couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, and I'd never seen Dragon Ball Z before. And the level of like drama and violence uh, and the fact that there was like a character dying and so on was also really more intense than anything I'd I'd encountered before. And so I just got that, like, one vivid fragment that was also, like, in this weird foreign context. Um, And, you know, like, things like that make this huge impression on you, and the stories that you kind of produce automatically as a kid to account for what you've seen, and the sense of fascination that that incompleteness exerts over you Mm -hmm. is a real, like, uh, you know... I think it's a kind of, um, it, it, it's like fuel for the imagination, and I think that like well, you get a lot of these like you know I think of like the archetypal like redditor baking a Mario cake or something, or like having a <laughs> having like a Mario themed wedding, and this right. is like a guy in his like forties or something, mm-hmm. and it's it, but I I I kind of just think that like the problem is almost there's this like. There's obviously this impulse, which is like now I'm an adult and I'm in this position of power to collect, and that's also made easier by the fact that everything is now on demand, uh, and so um, there's this impulse to to kind of overcorrect that like sense of of absence or incompleteness from childhood, and this that leads to this this kind of nerdish cataloging of law, where. You just have to, like, every sort of, little, like, little gap that you felt as a kid, you need to, like, be filling in with stuff. And it's actually, like, the feeling they're actually trying to recapture is the feeling of the incompleteness to begin with. Right. Right. And actually, that that sense of, like, childhood imaginative fecundity recedes the more that you try and, like, compensate for it with, collecting all this like mm. data which is like ultimately useless it's like ultimately fucking useless information it's kind of like you're like scientifically cataloging yeah flora and fauna but for something that's like completely irrelevant to actual life and it's like you know it, I think it just becomes kind of pitiful because um it's like just chasing the dragon endlessly. To recapture that sense of like imaginative power that we all feel very vividly in childhood. And so for me, what's really interesting about like the subject of nostalgia and revisiting these things from childhood is that it's like the this early period where your, your experiences of sense making, of trying to figure out what's going on, of like learning how to interpret and read uh, meaning out of things. Is it's when it's like getting its most, the most amount of exercise, you know, that you get Mm -hmm. in your entire life for a lot of people, I think. Like, uh, it's when you're like learning how to interpret. And so it's like really interesting for me to revisit that period and to like look at it on, you know, through those terms. And I think that like the way you do authentically recapture that sense of like, you know, imaginative play or however you want to describe it is. It's actually through kind of elevating this stuff and and also like you know there's nothing something to be said for just honoring it by describing your appreciation for it at the time but like actually placing it into the context of your own like imaginative development right uh, so uh yeah yeah well i
2: and i'm curious too because i actually so i met you when we were in like eighth grade so like yeah. what what did you watch as a kid like, what, like, I, I mean, there, I know a couple things, yeah. but, like, what, like, what, like, I know you were a, a non-cable guy, so it, uh, this, yeah. this could be influenced well, there, but, yeah. What well, did you
0: watch? Well, I movies? had, I mean, I I had, like, my brother and sister were, like, quite a bit older than me, like, six years, you know, mm-hmm. and then my dad was already, like, a super nostalgia boomer. He was, like, a boomer's boomer, you know? Right, and, right, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so just all the, you know, like, you know, the Monty Python stuff, the, like, like Fiddler on the Roof, uh, fucking, um, like all the old SNL stuff, all yeah. the like stuff, stuff that was a little, and it made me a little alienated from like the, my peer group because totally. I was just like, "Oh, did you guys see that thing?" And they're like, "Fucking, what are you like old or some shit?" You know? And like, John J- yeah.
2: Belushi had a samurai sword, man.
0: Yeah, was <laughs> yeah, exactly. <padding> things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then I met well, you, and it was like, fucking,
3: it was all good, you know? We, yeah, yeah. This go ahead. is kind of thing where, like, uh, well, I think when you're a kid, um, or maybe it's just me, but you don't really understand how, like. You don't understand the past as like an as a yeah. period of time. So you understand that like things are being released contemporaneously with you, and uh-huh. you understand that that's like new, but everything in the past just has this kind of equality to you because it's all from before you, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know you were aware of it. So you don't actually have this sense of like things belonging to discrete periods of time and that influencing other people's familiarity with them. You just generalize and assume that like Because you, your parents have this video, everybody does. That's what I thought about, like, Star, that's
0: that's really deep. Yeah, that's really deep, actually. That's what I thought about Star Wars. And when I learned it was from the 70s, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a time compression effect, you know, that I think you're you're nailing. Yeah, for sure. There's something.
2: Yeah, because of VHS, too, also. Because, like, also the way, like, these things were released on VHS, you're just like, well, these all videotapes came out at the same time
3: yeah like, exactly yeah, <laughs> you know yeah.
2: like despite my indian in the cupboard that came with the cool action figure inside the fucking vhs plastic <laughs> epic plastic case like yeah that's not the same as the weird cardboard sleeve but like in my head uh, that star wars might have come in but well, it's like, also like uh yeah you don't exactly.
3: you don't necessarily separate the movie from its like embodiment in a, in the medium of like a vhs date so you're just like yeah, yeah. this is the movie <laughs> yeah exactly
2: no it's like i have a copy of the like uh, this george lucas put this yeah. out gave it to my dad. Yeah. And yeah, now yeah. we watch it at my house. Like that's how that's how this got there. Um yeah yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. I
3: remember all my all my VHS types had like uh this this one. They all seemed to have this one ad for uh the new like Star Wars release, like video release that you know in the 90s and then also like um just that this like this one film from the 90s. I can't even remember what it is, but it's like a bunch of like Little League baseball Players like these kids, and there's a uh, bit where a ball goes into a dog's mouth, like a sandlot. Ter- the sandlot, yeah, yeah, fuck. And I've never seen The Sandlot, but I saw that like little trailer for it mm-hmm. like thousands of times. And I was just like, I guess this is like these like four movies constitute like cinema. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> up. yeah and it would
2: be like a weird movie too like you, you're like you ever go to somebody's house and it would be like a an oil change center where they would just have a movie playing all the time like and, yeah. and, and oh, yeah. would, like yeah. nobody was watching it but it was just like a chaotic like kid house where it was just like a movie was on the, the parent made a feeble attempt to like put a movie on therefore, but the kids are like just kind of like ingesting it still but like i remember yeah. there was a, there was a, a movie on i mean it was probably like kids were probably like probably ages like eight through 12 in the house of like my friend's house i would go on. but it was this movie called multiplicity with michael keaton where it was just like his they they, they cloned him like five times because he was like a lame husband and like so he, so it was every like every part of his personality was like split into five basically (laughs) so like it would be like the aggressive one that his wife secretly wants you know like the the you know stained shirt stained wife beater guy like constantly fixing the kitchen sink and like just kind of like having a beer and like kind of like short-tempered kind of guy but then also the sensitive version of him but it was like all five of them existing at once and it was like the dumbest movie in the world I've seen it 35 times like yeah, the, I, yeah
3: it's crazy the first movie i ever saw in the cinema with my dad was um was flubber with uh, robin williams sure, sure. and I mm-hmm. uh, absolutely loved it <laughs> yeah. then the,
2: the 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 vhs was like green it was like a green plastic oh case, yeah I yeah remember. Mm-hmm.
3: i remember the mcdonald's toy which was like a little plastic uh you know container which had like green play-doh in it for the flubber Although it wasn't translucent like the flubber is in the movie,
2: right? Um, and I have a weird question. This might sound really dumb, but like in the UK, is it like, do you guys get it get it a little bit later? If that uh, movie like flubber, would you guys get it a
3: little later, or would it have like a same time UK release? I don't know. I have no idea. Actually, I mean, I I would have been really young. It was like literally the first movie I ever saw. So I, uh-huh. I guess I would have been like five or six or something. Okay. Really, really. So I don't oh, know. Maybe I may have seen. screening of bambi in the cinema wow and then had to be taken out because i was like sobbing oh it's terrible uh but then yeah i that obviously wouldn't have been when bambi first came out though like no 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 surely yeah but um (laughs) but that also reminds me that uh you know there's also like the movies that they show you in school and like you know on a free day or whatever and it would always be these like really distressing live action animal movies where like a small girl or a small boy befriends an animal Uh and there's always like like free willy for example or but there's like one about a mongoose as well i think and uh there's always some moment where the animal is injured and it's like you know it's one of the like rare instances you see blood in a movie or something like that and i absolutely like I would become so anxious when those movies would be put on. I would really feel like trapped and uncomfortable and not want to watch them because I couldn't like I really hated the emotional distress of the animal being injured or harmed in some way. 100%. Uh, <laughs> I remember that as like a uniquely stressful like school experience you know
2: yeah and i and then you know the teacher would wheel away the tv and be like all right mesopotamia what do we think you know and yeah, then, and, and then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they'd just be like right, right, it right. would just be like all right cool you guys we just ripped your heart out let me just do that but you know that's a useful thing because you you look now young the younger generation they don't think they're allowed to like ever be tested by a film ever you know like they're, they're, they're yeah I, mean, I noticed this they're like they're, they're these like younger people they think you know, crying during a movie means the movie hurts you.
3: Yeah, oh, like, yeah, yeah.
2: You class action lawsuit.
3: You know, no, and- I, I mean, I think that there's like a, um, there's this kind of like, you know, again, this relates to what I was talking about before. There's like a tutelary dimension to, um, like you, you're learning to engage critically with media as you grow up. And like part of that can be these kind of like slightly frightening initiatory experiences where you're like, if, kid's house and like i remember like this kid i hung out, i used to go to his house and he would like put on these like age inappropriate movies like uh like terminator 2 i saw for the first time and yeah. it was like so like frightening um but also like thrilling and exhilarating and you know it's just like this kind of high that you can never never recapture you can never like recapture that yeah. intensity as an adult i don't think um
2: that's crazy that you bring up the terminator because i just did a rewatch of the first three um just recently and I was oh thinking, yeah like, i was thinking like oh my god like the especially the first one like i know every the second one tends to be like the best and it, it probably is but the first one was like it's so shocking how cold and like just like yeah, just to see somebody day. to see somebody die for no reason like and just it just just not just be like discarded like trash yeah, on this, and everyone th- just know they're just they're just pushing off Judgment Day. Like Judgment Day is gonna happen, but like we just want to like get like ten more years out of it. Like just the, being-
3: <laughs> the first one is really underrated. I um, yeah. I used to I rewatched the third one a lot when I was a teenager, and I mm-hmm. rewatched it recently because it came onto UK Netflix. So for some reason UK Netflix they've they've just started including a lot of like uh, movies from the early two thousands and late nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are like the movies that I kind of grew up with. So I'm really, really nostalgic about a lot of them. Um, Terminator 3 though, I did not enjoy rewatching that. It was, it's like, horrible. Kind of a, it's kind of a horrible bummer. movie. It's like really downbeat ending. Like,
2: <laughs> really, pure like two- And pure 2000s, tra- it's a great concept. It's just, obviously there's no James Cameron, so that's really why it falls apart. Yeah. Like I feel like if you had the exact same script and th- it's just ugly, like it's, it looks trashy and lame, like compared to, it looks like the sci-fi channel decided to make the Terminator 3 movie or something. it does have that
3: kind of vibe to it. You're right. It does have a bit of a sci-fi channel ambience somehow. Yeah,
2: like uh, Sharknado kind of like thing. Yeah. Very, very odd. Like, I've never... But, like, you know, getting back to what we were saying about, like, the Reddit thing is, like, I feel like a lot of the Redditors, even if they love the stuff they watched as a kid, they tend to think that they were poisoned by it a lot of times. Like, this is why I hate the world now. Well, there's just like, um, yeah, yeah, you know. obsession
3: with uh, tropes, you know, and, like... Yeah, plot holes. Yeah, like, but this idea as well of, like, tr- like this this kind of pop, like, feminist cultural criticism of, like, oh, this movie has bad tropes, and, like, learning to recognize tropes, and this, like, Ugh. then becomes, like, part of this, like, resentful, like, oh, this, fil- I've loved this film, i love this film. You know, the thing I really despise is when people are, like, uh oh yeah, I re-watched this thing recently, and it's actually kind of problematic, like, it's just, like, uh, so bleak, and yeah. actually I think des- describes a kind of diminishing of the <laughs> of, of, of the imagination you know, like, yeah. I love the movie Planes, Trains, and uh-huh. um, Yeah, and, you know like, I remember once, like, somebody was saying to me, like, that film is actually kind of homophobic when you think about it and it's mm. like, no, no, it's not. It's not home. It's just not. It's not homophobic <laughs> at all. It's like there's a scene where two straight guys experience like a, a moment of gay panic and try and reassert their like masculinity and stereotypical ways by talking about football and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's like obviously a joke and it's play for laughs. And the film as a text is like engaging with that. You know what I mean? It's like this kind yeah, of yeah. like me. It's like actually like. Ironically, it's like media illiteracy. It's like people not being able to distinguish the different like layers of intention mm-hmm. that go into a, a film, and not yeah. not being able to like distinguish um, like the character's opinions from the text. And this is like a really really big thing now as well because people in general are so like alienated and mystified that they they actually find it like cognitively hard to distinguish characters in a piece of media from like an actual thinking human being. Yeah. Uh, exactly.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, and it's a bat, and it's it's also, you know, first off, all you got to do for playing trains and automobiles, just remake it with Jonah Hill where he is gay. He's Jonah Hill is John yeah. Candy and he's gay. That's all oh, you have man. to do in the, the new the, the new thing. That's that's where all this, you know, rolls oh, all inclusive, inclusive minds.
3: Yeah. The fucking Seth Rogan <laughs> planes trains yeah. and would be- happen. Oh, judd,
2: judd apatow post uh knocked up version of yeah of, of that yeah would absolutely happen it would absolutely it would it would get hyped uh, in and shoehorned into every part for like a month and then nobody would see it and then people would complain about it so mm-hmm. that would be exactly what would happen but i also think like the reason Too is people just have like a a, just a bad view of like humanity that like human yeah like i i you know one big thing of this podcast is that like ultimately no matter what i read whether there's you know religion in it like right now reading brothers karamazov and you know it's it's just dripped in religion and and things like that and 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 uh allegories and things like that but you have these uh humans ultimately have free will no matter what whatever i read or watch like you have free will, but like a lot of people just think like, no, actually, like whatever that movie is, that's your if you have a if you watch planes, trains and automobiles and then you have like a weird gay experience with your friend, you're actually going to commit suicide because you watched planes, trains and automobile. Like you're actually going to just take your own life because because it was too much to handle because of that movie. And, and you know, and it's just like I ultimately like I have such a I actually am like super pro human in a sense that like I can see that. I think we're a lot, a lot smarter than we think. We just dumb ourselves down, like, like actively, yeah. like, like, and not even in like a not even in like a weird, like fascist kind of like, you know, way where like people are, you know, it's it's being done by the media, man. No, it's like literally you like it's literally you dumbing yourself down every single day. Everything's simplified for you. I typed a, a word on my phone that was not even close to like the word and it just corrected into the word that i wanted the other day and it was an autocorrect and i was like i think i'm gonna turn off autocorrect on my phone and i oh, think yeah. that's gonna i think that's going to do a lot for me because i'm like i just typed it. i missed every word letter on this word by one letter on the qwerty keyboard i missed i missed it was completely you would illegible compared to like what the word i wanted to say and it corrected into that and i was like yeah, society is anti-free will at this point, <laughs> you know what the I mean? The thing that,
3: like, yeah. that, uh, fucks with me with autocorrect is uh, that if I write in YouTube in lowercase it'll autocorrect it to like, capital Y, capital T YouTube, yeah. and then it's like Gosh, <laughs> Derek, you're in this time where it's like, uh, you either look like you've put too much, you, you're paying this yeah. like weird deference to YouTube <laughs> to, like, write it as this <laughs> or you can, like, actually like do the genuinely silly thing, which is like go back and like rewrite it and like f- battle with the autocorrect. Like you, right. this is like weird. Like the thing when yeah. you like you go back and rewrite something and then it autocorrects it again, and you're in this like mm-hmm. weird struggle against the autocorrect. Uh, yeah, and
0: then yeah, i now... had that exact thing where I'm like, stop. Yeah, yeah, and- and any, it'll be. <laughs> Yeah, and it'll be any random like tech company or anything. It'll it just knows every single one of them and and yeah. like makes them all official and uh yeah, fancy with those capitals. It's
2: dude, yeah. I typed in verb the other day and it auto-corrected to verbo, like the company. Like for oh, like yeah, and I yeah. was just like what <laughs> like I don't wanna say that. Like, you know what I mean? Like you know I don't wanna say that. Like it's like and it's it's this like yeah, that that to me is like it's just we are like an anti-free will society in a sense. Like there is a lot of oh, like revolution, like revolutionary thinkers, quote unquote. You know the Sam Harris types that we love to make fun of on the show, but like just this idea that like people, they're like they they have this idea that they think society is failing because it's like pro free
3: will or something like that, and that we yeah. you know yeah they're but, just like
2: but it's the complete opposite. <laughs> they're just like
3: yeah te- tenocrats who like worship expertise. Like that's basically yeah. Fuck, but exactly. But like uh the you know the, there is also people well like liberals have this i this conception of of like emotional harm uh as a result of like seeing you know like traumatic scenes in movies or whatever like Mm -hmm. and um and it's they don't you know they they have this like very particular idea of it as being like an authentic response um that is just inevitably produced by the film and i'm not i'm not talking about like scenes of violence or gore or whatever which obviously right. they, there's like a disturbing component in their in the, the aesthetic response you're supposed to have to them but i just mean like things like gay jokes or whatever like the the way offense taking has been constructed over the last 10 years or so is where it's actually it's nothing to do with like the inherent level of offense that's like contained within the joke as like an objective quantity which is kind of the weird scientistic way that people end up thinking about it it's like it's purely this kind of um it's like a social thing where when people start developing these like rigid norms around speech um and developing these ideas of like of, of like harm quote unquote um, when you then go and see a movie, you're actually not in a, like a relaxed, st- especially if you go and see a movie with, in you know, a like a social group or you're watching a movie together in, in a social group that abides by those norms, you're not watching in a relaxed state. You're actually watching in a, like a tense state of vigilance. Like I know, cause yeah. I used to hack, you know, be in a social circle sure. like that when I was a lot younger and it's like you, everybody, you can feel the tension in the room And it's like what it actually is, this discomfort um, that people are misinterpreting as their offense is this anxiety on behalf of the other person that you're with. And it's this anxiety that they'll have some kind of freak out and they'll behave in a a dangerous way. Yeah. And then what happens is because you don't understand that that's what's happening, you assume that that like tension or discomfort that you're feeling is the is like. I mean, in a way, it's like indirectly caused by the um, by what you're seeing, but it's really a consequence of the like rigidity of the norms of this like subculture that you're part you're a part of, and you see this all. This you can see this like really well in like college debates when there's like a controversial speaker, and you see people driven to these like bizarre, almost like you know, religious states of like histrionic (laughs) uh, like. Like they're they're not just being harmed like you're taking a cut or something like they're they're almost like in these weird like paroxysms of suffering or whatever like and they're shrieking and crying and stuff yeah and they're having like a real weird moment where like the level of tension and discomfort they're feeling has like overloaded their um, ability to just like abide by normal human, like social conventions you know and it's because they can't like they can't deal with that amount of like ambient tension in the room because it just builds on itself endlessly because you're feeling your anxiety about what the other person is is thinking they're also feeling anxiety about what you're thinking and those two things they like (laughs) you know it's just like in a sort of endless uh yeah it just it just builds up and up and up and until yeah, people that's, can't take it anymore <laughs> that's
0: far as you're and i've you're just putting into words what i feel you're like living in portland right and <clears throat> it's it's so funny you know because everyone does the thing where and i'm let, let me get this clear i'm not some kind of like warrior of i'm gonna say my opinion no matter what no matter the consequences man because like i don't care if anyone freaks out like i'm very like i don't rock the boat in my real life because once you get past you know i'm in like my 30s same once, yeah. Once you get past like twenty five, you stop. You 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 realize it's just not worth it to be like that guy, unless you're like a media guy that gets off on right. You, you know, like like a you know like a Ben Shapiro type, like like owning debates and stuff. But in in like Portland, and I'm sure tons of other places as well, like you see like young people like in their thirties and twenties that are just so like you could see them doing the calculation in their head to make sure they say the thing that's okay. Even if they don't believe any of it, you know, and it's, that's the crazy, there are some true believers, but most people like 40%, I would say are just like trying not to rock the boat in any way possible. And it's a very strange, it's, it's like I, I can't like make real friends here you know it's very rare yeah. you know like I yeah the one the ones that I do are the ones that like listen to this pod and I meet through the podcast because they know the real me you know what I mean like yeah, yeah it's kind of one of you guys probably have similar experiences I'm sure well you know? it's
3: like the you know the whole point of like close friendship is that you you aren't in a state of tension <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah So yeah. and so yeah, like true. that's why that whole kind of like rigid attitude is so like corrosive to personal intimacy and then why yeah. those people consequently develop these like elaborate formal systems for securing intimacy because yeah mm-hmm. they they it's like never assured and uh yeah, yeah i mean those people are like suffering 24 <laughs> 7. oh know, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: it's, yeah. it's um, not being a real no, uh, not, yeah it's not being a real authentic you know and i'm not saying like everyone can be that, but it's just we we could it, it is, you know, as much hate as like the IDW and the extreme, like anti woke stuff get, they are trying to rescue something about humanity, you know, and like, I yeah, think, well, yeah.
3: yeah, you know, uh, this is the thing because then the way it's like portrayed as like the, the, the kind of web comic mythology where it's this like eternal battle between like plucky young women who are socially conscientious versus like the evil lord stand-up comedian who wants to, yeah. like, tell jokes about rape, is, like, okay. I'm not... I hate upsetting and disconcerting people yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. in, like, real life. I don't enjoy it, and I kind of, like, really strongly believe in the value of, like, politeness as a sort of social yeah. lubricant. and A
2: default, at least, yeah.
3: Yeah, and mm-hmm. so, like, if I'm hanging out with some people, and, like, I there's someone I don't know well, and they start, like, like, uh, making like edgy as fuck jokes or whatever is like, it's not something yeah. I necessarily like enjoy or respect. Or if I'm in like a, I mean, I, I've like, not that I'm employed now, but I, you know, when I've been working and like someone's like a co worker is making like edgy jokes or like, you know, it's like, I, uh, I'm not like personally offended, but I think it's like disrespectful in the sense that it's like not, it's not like respectful to the context yeah. that we're in. And so I think it's fine to like have those kinds of opinions about things. Right. Yeah. But, and you know, I believe in a kind of like social contract. Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. yeah. And like, yeah. and I don't think, it, you know, I don't take any pleasure in, in like, um it's like saying something I believe that's like a f- offensive or hurtful to another person. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, I'm not, that's not something I'm going to compromise on. I'm not going to be a hypocrite about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and i do believe that there we need to have as well there has to be there have to be those like cultural spaces where you know not everything is like a workplace you know and the hr mm-hmm. department isn't like the appropriate mm-hmm. mediating body for organizing the entirety of like personal and mm-hmm. and social life you know like yeah. uh, because that is its own form of like emotional repression this you know the fact that it's like vaguely kind of feminine coded uh mm-hmm leads people to think that it's kind of touchy feely mm. um but actually there are all kinds of like hidden you know uh they're all kind of like hidden uh risks and dangers and repressions to this whole like way of being you know this like kind of therapeutic like HR way of being you know what it, uh, that, that, this reminds
0: yeah. me of like the have you seen the like the first season of white lotus when yeah, the sure. guy discovers his his dad was gay and died of aids yeah and the yeah. And the mom is actually super based she's like you know because the daughters are like oh my god you're coming off as a really homophobic now and the mom is like yo well lucky we're a family and we're not like out and you know and it doesn't matter yeah. how it comes
2: across you know oh, i've had like, that conversation like, with my parents before too like because like sure, you know yeah. like i i have family that mean well they're all liberals that mean well. And, yeah, and, yeah. It, and, it, and like like they, they mean well. They're not doing this to, to punish anybody. You know, they, they would like to, I think, in some cases. But like they're trying to punish like a person that's not really real. Like they're yeah, trying, yeah. like, like they would, they don't want to, like if they saw like a Donald Trump guy in public, like they're probably just going to like walk the other way and start talking shit about that person. Like the other uh-huh. way, they're not actively trying to, you know, do, do this, but like at the same time, like I've had conversation. like I was raised, you know, with my parents and stuff like on like Howard Stern, like really edgy humor and stuff. And it uh-huh. was like on the car, on the way to school, we had that stuff, but it was when I got to school, if I was repeating what was said in the car, that was my ass you know like yeah, it would yeah. get it would get back into there was a social contract with that but now it's weird cuz that phone conversation it's like it's like i'll tell my mom like and she'll just be like i don't know i, I know we can't like make this joke anymore you know like qualifier <laughs> and stuff like that yeah. and and like i was kind of like mom it's just you and me yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's me, it's, it's you and me, which to be honest, it probably isn't just her and I, it's probably, it probably is somebody listening, but like, yeah, just yeah. <laughs> not, not, not actively, not like Gene Hackman. Yeah. Yeah. Coppola the yeah. conversation type, like, like that, but it's like, it is being filed away somewhere. It is data for something. Everything is. But what I mean is like, like make the joke, mom, it's fine. You know no, what I, I mean? mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But, but in a public setting, yeah. At dinner with the family, <laughs> we're not going to make that joke. You know, yeah. like it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, that, that's what I mean is like, that's my view of humanities. I think, Oh, I think that sorts itself out better than like us all needing to have our red Sharpies in our hand, correcting everybody. You know yeah. what I mean? Like in a, in a performative way, you know, like I, I, think that's, that's where, that's where I get mad. Like I've realized how little my opinion matters, the more media I consume. Right. Like I've, <laughs> I have no truly like every book I read, right. Every movie that we watch, if we, if we watched a movie and I was like, this shit sucks, like we'd probably like pivot to something else. Like, cause I don't really want to have the podcast about the movie that I hate. You know, no, like, no. like, yeah, I don't yeah. really want to do that. You know, most of the stuff that we talk about, if you see in the episode description, you're gonna be like, well, they, they like all those things probably that they're going to talk about like that. You can already yeah. come to that conclusion because I realized that if I don't like something, then I'm, then I scrap it. I go away. It's something else. Either it's not for me or just, nah, eh, you know, not, wasn't, wasn't my thing. There is an objective quality to certain things, but for the most part, I'm kind of like, eh, No, that that's fine. Now, to me, when I when I read these books, I just submit to them, man. Or when I when I watch a movie, I just submit to it. Like, whether at the end of the day, I'm just like, you know what? Like, and I'll harvest whatever I want from it, and then just treat everything like a cloud storage, and just be like, I don't need that. I don't need all this extra stuff in there. But I just take what I want from it, move on to the next. And a lot of people just think that they're like Roger Ebert. You know, everybody thinks they're their own like Roger Ebert, where it's like actually I have I have to like you know, grade this, you know, yeah, on a yeah. standard, standard grading thing, which is a good way to parlay into our movie here because like, you know, the first scene of evolution is the, is the curve, you know, the, the, um, the, the, the uh, Ira Kane, uh, Professor Ira Kane at a junior college is like everybody got A's and like, even the guys yeah. that got C's like were garbage, you know what I mean? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I kind of view movies and, and film and, and books on that curve. Cause I'm just like, you know what, for the most part, like this person spent a long time, whether i like it or not they spent a long time trying to tell me something you well, know what i it's mean it's like
3: <laughs> I, it's also like uh if if it then does turn out to be bad then you kind of know it's bad because it didn't survive that like level yeah. of kind of uh receptive uh you know sort, sort of attention that you, like that that's when you know something has really kind of failed aesthetically it's when you like you really give it Every chance to like win you over, and you with you kind of uh, like suspend your judgment over the things that don't immediately appeal to you, which I do think is like a dis. I mean, like that's like the discipline of, you know, um, like I, I this is like again the tutelary aspect of like developing a taste in music or a, a taste in literature or whatever. Right? Is that like you develop these like uh, aesthetic criteria, you know, which tend to be like pretty. Pretty unsophisticated when you you're like a teenager, where you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like I like rock, I hate rap, or something. <laughs> but yeah. then you but then you encounter like a rap album that you do like, and so you have to make some kind of adjustment. And you're like, oh well, what is it about this rap album that's different from the other rap albums I don't like? Or maybe I was being unfair to those albums. So I have to go back and reevaluate. You know, it like yeah. Im- immediately raises all these kinds of questions mm-hmm. that you then have to answer. And when you're a teenager as well, you have a kind of subcultural investment. I mean, that doesn't really exist anymore. But like, it can be a a political thing for your like, you know, on your level of social life. If you're like identifying as a goth, but then you like something else, you have to kind of negotiate with this right, this like God from a different (laughs) religion or something, you know, and like find some way to like syncretize it with your own way of doing things I, th- I, th- I think this is probably all outdated now like it probably doesn't apply anymore because no it does but no yeah. we're
2: globalized i mean yeah, we're globalized yeah. everything's for everybody i mean it, <laughs> it, it shouldn't be there's no target audiences anymore everything gets to everybody everyone gets to grade it everyone gets to take their red sharpie to it and then you move yeah. on to something else there's there is no like there is no, like, like Depeche Mode is a good thing. If Depeche Mode came out right now, Depeche Mode would be marketed to everybody, right? It yeah, would be yeah. marketed to everybody. There'd be people like, what are these weirdos doing? Ew, gross, stupid, uh, you know, just things like that. But then you you wouldn't hit that like South Park goth kid type thing. It wouldn't hit that. Just they wouldn't be able to gatekeep it. They wouldn't be able to enjoy it, wait for everybody else to find out about it five years later and scoff at them. That was a fun thing that happened back then. But now it's everything's for everybody. It's all, we're all yeah, in the, the stadium of the gladiator movie doing our thumbs up, thumbs down. We're all doing that to everyone. No,
3: like the worst thing now is to be like a snob um, mm-hmm. and to, mm-hmm. to like imply that there is like uh, such a thing as like really genuinely like good art or, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, like, um, uh, but then at the same time, the kind of letterboxed reviewer thing is also <sighs> very, very, uh, very annoying and un- I mean, like, it's like an unappealing kind of personality. Terrible, you know, terrible, terrible, terrible um, website. Yeah, oh, man.
2: I, I, every time I see a review from there, I'm just like, oh God, why did you do that? So, but let's, um, let's talk about a good piece of art. Um, let's, yes. let's, let's talk about it right now. Uh, this is called Evolution from 2001. Now, Yerk and I had, uh, you know, in our, we'd been talking privately and just, and you, you brought it up. And I, it was one of those things where I'm like, for some reason, obviously, like it was a movie that came out in the theaters, but I felt like I was the only person that ever saw it before where I was like
1: I, th- yeah. I felt like I was
2: just I felt like I was just John Hamm in the movie theater the meme like just kind of just staring at it by myself only even though I don't even think I saw it in the theater I think it's just like it just appeared on my TV screen and I thought it was like kind of the like it was, it was exactly what I wanted in a movie as a kid because yeah. it's directed by Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman is a comedic legend uh, as a director. You have Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, Stripes, which is an underrated classic, um, and uh, a few other... I think Kindergarten Cop, Like he did a lot of stuff with Arnold Schwarzenegger when Arnold was trying not to be the Terminator anymore and being the genius comedic actor that he ended up being after a while. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's crazy because with this film um i just released andromeda strain gain of fiction on our on our um substack feed i even when i was reading andromeda strain i wasn't thinking of that movie but the premise is literally like the andromeda strain it's crazy like like it's a desert in arizona piedmont arizona is is the city in andromeda strain where just this you know you, people think it's a meteor at the beginning and it ends up being a satellite but at the end of the day like they just, they went to a different direction, but the premise is just like the Andromeda strain, like unknown thing from space hitting and, and all its consequences that, that, uh, uh, comes from it there. But, but since Yerk and I like the movie, Sai, you've never seen this right before. No, before I, ne- I never even knew about it. Never knew possibly. about it or anything. Um, what it, what did you, what it, what were your expectations going into it? And then what did you think? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I it definitely, I was like, Oh, what's the Yerk
0: movie going to be about, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I was, you know, and, uh, it wasn't what i expected i don't know what i oh expected, yeah. but, <laughs> no but, uh, no no i, it I, I, I yeah it's one, hilarious because i've been watching more i you know i know julianne moore from lebowski obviously one of my one of our favorites and mm-hmm. uh but um you know we watched what's that other one the safe safe, right? safe and, yeah. Classic. and then this one and i'm starting to respect how much of like a chameleon she is you know oh, yeah. like because you it's you know it's her but you're like is that her for you know that's how i always see that you know when i'm like watching a new julianne moore movie and um and yeah, it was funny. And also, it's just funny. I love the creature, the creatures. uh The way that must have been a fun job coming up with that. Uh, yeah, and it's like half of them look like our cat, and we have like a Persian flat face cat. So we, were, we were about that, <laughs> my and I. you
2: know, and it's just like, yeah, it was hilarious. It was great. Yeah. You, David Duchovny, underrated comedic actor. Yeah. um just well, he's, at, he's hilarious he's in that. hysterical and, and and around that time two years prior he had done zoolander i think or not even two years prior i think almost that year he had done zoolander where he has a really funny minor role in zoolander as a hand model um yeah. and, uh, where he's like you know i know that hand you know like the, the <laughs> uh yeah it's it's hilarious I, like, yeah he's, he, he really he's, wanted to get
3: out of that like he wanted to do comedy for a long time he's very good at the kind of deadpan like in zoolander he's he has to like are you serious yeah yeah, but why male (laughs)
2: models yeah (laughs)
3: that
2: that was one of the funniest scenes ever which yeah god but uh yeah that that he's so good in it orlando jones him and orlando jones that's his name right orlando jones yeah Uh, yeah yeah yeah, the guy from mad tv and the seven up commercials from back then he had the very funny seven up commercials of mix seven up yours um and it was uh, and it was really really funny and but they have this like Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor dynamic that's like super old school comedy, physical comedy, but also like facial reaction to each other of like them both being alien to each other, even though they're friends. Uh, the not the shoehorned like DEI laminated wallpaper of how to interact with a black person like that yeah. we get now in movies, yeah. um, but more so a like just just a, like, hey, we're buddies, but like in this weird uh, situation we're in now. I find out weird things about you. You find out weird things about me. Orlando Jones is just a straight-up pervert. Vo- the classic trope. You want to talk about tropes? The women's volleyball coach. <laughs> yeah. <Pervert>. yeah. <laughs> where, where? Remember? Remember our uh, women's volleyball coach. Si. Yeah, and yeah. he was this old guy. <laughs> yeah, just like comically, not even hiding it. Like just, yeah. just like, yeah, I'm the woman's volleyball coach. So what? You know, like, awesome, <laughs> he yeah, was so it was funny. hilarious. And he was a weightlifter. He was just like bodybuilder guy with like yeah. these weird like um Smee from Hook glasses and he would just like put up weights, put up weights, and then just be like women's volleyball time. Yeah. (laughs) No daughter. No daughter in seven years
0: old, 315 without a spotter, women's
2: volleyball. (laughs) It
3: was like crazy. I just thought of him
2: immediately. Like it was it was so funny.
3: Yeah Um, the uh all the women in those photos are over 18. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So the Ted Levine, the Ted Levine lieutenant, um, that oh, scene when he's so well, good, man.
3: The mustache. Everybody is great
2: in this.
0: Yeah.
3: Like Ted Levine is amazing in this movie. Uh, I love, I really love Orlando Jones's performance. I think he's like so underrated and uh, yeah, his like chemistry with David Duchovny is incredible. Yeah. Oh, no I, I i love this movie yeah i will say
0: so the sarah silverman cameo it's funny that, <laughs> oh yeah she's always
3: in these movies and
0: she's like a quote and i'm not like a big epic sarah silverman hater like there's some haters out there sure 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 but like yeah yeah but man she's in all these like weird movies with one scene and they they never really give her jokes and she's never like funny in them no she's like a bitch and everything yeah Yeah. i know and it's it's kind of a weird
3: career yeah it's like the go-to bitch girlfriend because she's also Uh like doing that in uh school of rock Rock, yeah yeah uh although i love that has has a great moment where uh orlando jones is like (laughs) when because she's like wearing one of uh david dacovny's old shirts yeah and yeah. he's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, sh- I shouldn't just recount the scene, but I love like Orlando Jones. Like, It's incredible just how many women yeah. open their shirts to him. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's so good.
2: It's so good. I love how like Orlando Jones is like stupid, but also really smart at the same time. Like yeah. you know, his whole, like how many different life forms is a single celled organism? And he's like, David is uh, like we're gonna have to get smarter if we're gonna do so, this yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like no, it's, it's so good. the junior call I I've always forgot that it was a junior college too which i love like those just those random like northern arizona junior college kind of like looking uh where it's just like a like a hodgepodge of just like dumb like the girl who's like trying to win a pageant by getting into nursing school nadine yeah nadine wearing open-toed shoes to the uh to the ground zero site of of a meteor (laughs) crashing um it's it's hilarious there is a really funny part since it's very relevant to this podcast and I, i actually found the clip on youtube so i probably can intro episode with it but it's um where David Duchovny is originally adversarial with uh the Julianne Moore character and he's on the stand and he developed a, an experimental a- anthrax vaccine that got yeah, everybody sick this, like
3: <laughs> there's this kind of like anti-vax uh yeah like subplot to it although he is like the hero of the story yeah and it's like yeah y- y- it's kind exactly. of weird because um uh, like there are these comedic notes in the description of the side effects like uncontrollable flatulence mm-hmm. um but at the same time like when i was a kid i thought that the whole sequence where he was like describing the symptoms of the vaccine was really like grave and serious mm-hmm. uh and it yeah. is kind of it's kind of played that way a little bit it's sort of like the film i don't know like doesn't quite make up its yeah. mind about how funny it's supposed to be because yeah. uh well it's also kind of like well when i was a kid i found it like uh, not scary but like i thought it was serious when when they move, they arrive at the army base and the guy the soldier like recognizes ira kane and mm-hmm. uh and like reaches for his gun and he's like you gave me the worst month of my life yeah kind of thing you know and he, he, and he just uh, had diarrhea the whole time like and and but but it's
2: funny yeah. too because like you know Granted, you know, with the stuff that we know uh, about all this stuff, there's no way that shock even gets pulled from the market or he ever gets punished for that, by the way. If those are the only side
3: effects, they're like, yeah, roll it out. It's all good. The the really (laughs) like absurd thing is that. Um, that David Duchovny would actually like lose his job, no, from- yeah, no, he wouldn't at all, yeah, from the yeah. Pentagon, yeah. And, and that he wouldn't like promote him and like yeah. weaponize. i be like, Hey, thanks <laughs> like- for getting
2: it, thanks for getting it out so quick, thanks for getting it out so quick, Ira. Couple tweaks, and then we're good. Another, another very, uh, booster or something, yeah. And uh, but no, he'd uh, lose his job if it didn't do those things, you know, yeah, 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 and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just- <laughs> but no, it's um, one thing though, I will say, and I remember this being the thing that like really drew me to it the humor is great but i but like only the humor is so good because we don't have comedy movies anymore but the, the but but back then comedy all day saving silverman all these like amazing movies were coming out where it was just funny just rapid fire humor a movie billed as comedy that was funny and good at the same time what but what was what still drew me to that movie when I was young I was probably about 12, oh, 11 or twelve when that came out and I used, I used to just replay on HBO all the time and the the thing that was it actually is a bit overwhelming when you start seeing all the little creatures on the floor and when you see all the dead like pterodactyl dragon things behind the golf course, it does like unsettle you a little bit like it is like like oh my God, that's a lot of shit like and it's yeah like, there uh... it, there's like weird creepiness to it that like like when things just the growing like with out of control like loss like this the rapid evolution you know like just of all that stuff it is a little creepy like it is weird i don't know i i still found myself getting a little overwhelmed in a good way um yeah by that uh, yeah
3: like very effective jump scares in it that like when they uh those women are having like tea and they discover the weird like pug like alien in the cupboard yeah uh-huh. I feel like that's, like, a very tense moment. I still feel a little bit, like, uh, nervous when I, because yeah. I know that, like, fucking horrendous, like, chicken tongue alien thing is going to uh-huh. explode out of that animal's mouth and bite her hand. It, like, looks painful, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and she's, like, screaming and agony. It's, like, crazy. Um yeah.
2: Mm-hmm yeah it's it's very it's very funny the the other like kind of jump scare to it too is uh the one where they're first trying to where they illegally break into the now government run uh meteor crash site and uh Orlando Jones and David Duchovny are looking to find um just a specimen that they can bring back and examine on their own and then they find this little like crazy spider and they're like whoa that thing's disgusting grab it and then a huge thing just comes in and just destroys it out of nowhere yeah yeah it's crazy yeah. it's
3: uh it's so it's so great the the blue apes are really scary as well yeah.
2: dude they're weird uh, and, and and the in like so i was looking at the budget i was like this movie actually like i was expecting when i went back i'm like oh the cgi is gonna look stupid like not that that takes me off from the movie or anything i'm fine with bad cgi but the i was like actually the cgi looks really good and yeah, that movie. looks great from like 2001 like and then i looked i was like but there's no way this movie made that much money. It made like $18 million. It had $80 million budget back then. That's a huge yeah. budget. And that's yeah. I, that's Ivan Reitman Ghostbusters
3: legacy budget that he got, basically. Yeah, well, yeah. it's yeah. kind of like the, the kind of forgottenness of this movie and maybe it appearing on Netflix will jog people's memories a little bit. But, um, you know, I think this is kind of like part of the idea of stuck culture a little bit where I remember like going on Reddit Uh, around 2011 and the you know i feel like you know like the whole idea of reddit was it was like the front page of the internet right it was like the kind of became for a while a sort of like a defining um like sort of way of curating what the mainstream was Mm -hmm. you know and i mean it was like kind of curating mainstream culture but it was like there was this very much this like Reddit canon of media that includes things like Mario and Sonic and like been with video games. Um where I'm and I'm not like dissing those things, but also like 80s comedy movies like the like Blind Strange and Automobiles, uh, which I do love, but like uh but like Ghostbusters is actually a great example of that, right? And so you can see how this like you know, we were talking about, like, nostalgia. I feel like a lot of the sort of, like, mainstream film discourse was so driven by Reddit, which means, effectively, that it was driven by, like, 80s nostalgia. And mm. and also, like, nostalgia for kind of 80s and 90s video games. And the one of the consequences of that was, like, there are all these movies from the early 2000s, that actually got kind of middling reviews and weren't very well regarded at the time um and would always be inevitably being compared to their like 80s successful counterparts which were like the canonical like ghostbusters is the canonical movie and evolution Mm -hmm. isn't evolution is like the weird early 2000s Mm. blip you know yeah um but actually then when you go back and revisit these movies which I loved as a kid because they were like what was contemporary to me they're actually so I mean especially as compared to now they are they're fantastic they're like so competently made and entertaining and broad mm. in their humor without being like too lowbrow I mean evolution does have some very lowbrow moments of course um but like it's kind of forgivable because it's just so like entertaining and it doesn't it isn't like this sort of like utilitarian lunge at one particular tone which i think is an issue that movies have now they're yeah. all like they're all like designed to portray one feeling at right. a time and evolution does have these like notes of creepiness notes of kind of like biological horror um it has like a few scares has a few laughs it's got a really lovely broad uh color palette that's full of like rich yeah. arizona desert orange oh and, yeah and like the um the kind of turquoise blue of the like lab slides with the little bacteria floating around uh-huh. yeah. and the big like yellow smiley face thing that's on the cover or you know it's like this is this very like colorful i mean it's Films in general back then had a. I, I'm always going on about this. Like, they're so colorful compared to now. Yeah. There's this, like, richness of palette to them that's, sure. like, really noticeable in re- in retrospect. I just, like, Charlie's Angels, I just rewatched last night because they're just, it's another one of these movies it's from mm-hmm. 2000 that happens to come yep. on. It's, like, fucking great. It's, like, yeah. so entertaining and fun. And it has, like, it's the same thing. I mean, it's, like, doing a different, it's doing, it's doing a kind of spy thing rather than a horror thing. But, It's like, it's got some like well choreographed combat scenes. It's funny. It's sexy. It's got some moments of like danger or tension or creepiness to it. Um, And it's just like competently executed. And the fact that these movies got middling reviews at the time, Mm -hmm. um, it really, to me, it shows how far standards have fallen with regard to like the basic competency that back then was obviously being taken for granted where it was assumed that if you're making like a good spy film like a f- spy f- fun spy action comedy film yeah. you'll like know how to competently direct a choreographed fight scene yeah and that just isn't something you can take for granted anymore if i feel like
2: you know no no it's uh, it's and we haven't like it, there's this idea that we've like grown out of that and it's like no we regressed i mean yeah, like, we, yeah we we regressed into something that like there's no precedent for that's what's crazy like we've we've regressed it it's not like we regressed to like oh we're you know going back to like the 60s right no this is like just this you're right every movie is trying to achieve one particular thing which yeah all movies have themes all movies have ideas behind them but this is like this feels focus grouped This feels like it was, you know, the focus group was at one of those weird evolution government ground zero bases where like people (laughs) are like, well, this movie needs to achieve this. And therefore, how do we get to this? And again, movies do that, but it seems way more organic or at least comes off as more organic. Um, uh, I mean, there's 80 million dollar budget. I'm sure there were people in suits telling people what had to happen in this movie. But at the end of the day. People wanted people trusted the actors that were in it, people trusted the directors to make them laugh, you know, and
3: and just it's it it just seems more organic. It's just like you don't notice watching evolution that it's like a very well plotted Uh Uh-huh like competently made movie because it's so entertaining. It just draws you in and you don't notice those things. But I I forgot about the IRA, like
2: arc of like his, of uh, him as the failed scientist, you know, the failed uh, uh, military guy, like, like just, just kind of effectively just like stowed away at like some lame science class where he just doesn't even care. Gives everyone A's and just is like defeated. And uh, no, it's, it's, I, I love the, um, also to say, I, I do love that one, the, the one thing that really reminds you of this movie of when it was made was the, for some reason, we contractually obligated like Jeep rock out scene to St. Casey and the sunshine band. Oh, uh, fuck. I know that. Like, cause no one likes that song. I don't know anybody that actually voluntarily uh, puts that song on ever. Like, like wait, no one's mean, just like, uh, okay. Play you know, the funky know, music. Like, white yeah. boy. I've never heard anybody okay. say, well, maybe people like it, but nobody's just like, let me put that song on real fast. I've never heard I,
3: anyone in my life do that. I cannot tell you how how much I enjoyed that as a kid like that yeah. one that like brief like maybe 10 seconds of footage of mm-hmm. them just like uh you know David Duchovny Orlando Jones and Sean William Scott in this like open-air jeep like riding through Arizona uh <laughs> just like singing along to play that funky music white boy yeah. is like it might be like the most fun 10 seconds of cinema ever I've ever seen. Like I just, it yeah. just like, it's so like joyful and, uh and like, it's such a great life affirming mm-hmm. fun vibe. I don't know how else to describe it.
1: It's you know? You up for
2: the future, for the future conflict too. It's like, it, everything's yeah. going well, but I got an hour left in this movie. What's going to happen? You know, and it and, also kind yeah. of like,
3: how's that? Like, uh you know, it, it sort of like plays slightly into the, uh, Duchovny Jones relationship in the movie, which has this like, again, this now utopian seeming, like, uh, g- kind of easy re- race relations uh-huh. going on, where like, r- like race is acknowledged, but it's not like this, this yeah. like tense, this tense Golden anxiety producing, Mary. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It really is. It, like, re- uh, you know, it's just, like amazing. You can't imagine a film like this being made now <laughs> you know like the yeah, yeah it's uh like, it's when, sort of the, like the when
0: the scene when he's like yeah wipe away. like if cops did that to me i'd be hanged with. like the way it comes across it's funny it's not like
2: it eh, told you so you know like
3: that yeah kind of like
0: modern it's, not, but, you it's know? not
3: like fucking bitter and resentful yeah, and yeah. like uh yeah <laughs> it's
2: funny. like i laughed Yeah, was- yeah exactly and 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 there's 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 the moment yeah because it would have a, a teaching moment for david duchovny like and if it came out now it would have this teaching moment where <laughs> yeah david the, duchovny <laughs> would
3: have to like reflect on his privilege or something yeah uh-huh. where, yeah. yeah
2: he would he would just like think and some chalkboard dude. yeah, the
3: yeah. Chalkboard.
2: <laughs> exactly <laughs> and uh no it's it's uh but it's funny because I, I was just thinking about that casey and the sunshine band song because i was just thinking like every the, the you're right like as a kid you're just like what a funny song like what a like weird like it's kind of like everybody was kung fu fighting that song like where yeah. it's just like like i don't know anybody that would be like i bought that 45 back in the day and loved it yeah. I, n- nobody ever said that to me
3: but it was i think it's those- a- a banger man i love that song like sure, from the movie i just, I just yeah. can't
2: imagine a person going to the record store and buying it because it's just a song you're going to hear no matter what like yeah, you know yeah. what that's that's why i guess is what i'm what i'm getting at in the sense it, it, it didn't sound bad at all it's just funny to me where it's like like i couldn't imagine somebody like you know like i said like putting on dropping the needle to it at the house and like (laughs) at the the party like it's all like ymca based like you know just jazzercise or whatever like like it's always this like it's like this festive song that like only is
3: played at festive moments and yeah 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 like it's it's uh, crazy uh, Mm. no i mean the charlie's angel soundtrack is like has these like moments like that uh where i like the the, the, at the end of the film, they it just cuts to like a rock performance where they're like singing uh, "Bling One Eight all the small things, mm-hmm. okay. and I was like, "Damn, this is <laughs> this is great!" <laughs>
2: sure. And that yeah, was considered like a dumb song at the time. Yeah, I, yeah. I like my parents. Like my yeah, parents yeah. were like, that was stupid, but I loved it. I had Enem of the Stay. I absolutely like worshipped that album for like a year when I was a kid. Like, I was just like, there's no better music that can happen. These guys from San Diego, they're incredible. I uh, love them, you know, and then like, you know, to see, to like my parents were like, that's stupid, you know, like it's a dumb song. But like, even they'll like go back and be like, actually, that song was pretty good. You know, like they'll like say that because they've seen this decline and happy fun music that doesn't exist anymore uh yeah it's very depressing you know like like running eye like eyeshadow music that we hear now (laughs) of like whispering underwater versions of smells like teen spirit to sell like a a dc movie or something oh yeah
3: yeah yeah oh fuck i
2: hate that much like it's terrible or like like it'll be like uh I want a whole lot of love. <laughs> it'll like, yeah, uh, just throw that and it'll be like, like, uh, I don't understand. Like, Black Adam will come out and punch somebody,
3: and you're just like, <laughs> all of those songs sound better with the original instrumentation. Yeah. I, like, I don't understand, like, what is added to them by being, like, recontextualized as, like, having these, like, doomy Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan strings <laughs> and then, like, gun clicking sounds added to them or just, like, loud, like, trailer suspense noises. It's mm-hmm. like, it's just i don't know it's like listening to fucking it's like the all the music's been replaced with just like tense sound effects yeah and like yeah it's like a movie score song you're like yeah yeah i just don't get like that would be
2: something like that somebody would like create with it all sounds like yeah it's weird it all
3: sounds like fucking call of duty menu music
2: yes that's exactly (laughs) i think that's i think you found ground zero you know patient zero of, yeah. of where that's come from i think that's where that's exactly what it is that's it's it's video game like kind of like downloadable content video game you know yeah like, oh like yeah yeah big, big, about to like buy a skin dude about to buy yeah about a, okay, to be yeah. a Fortnite, like just <laughs> all that stuff and um you know one thing I, I i have to say too is there's a there's a classic appearance and i'm forgetting the actor's name um apparently he's like based in red-pilled and like not super far from the sphere but the big fat guy um oh he, the big, he can sleep late yeah, Ethan Supley. He was, uh, I mean, it's yeah. that guy around that time. You want to talk about a guy that was in a bunch of widely spanning, weird, like different movies. <laughs> Remember the Titans and American History X? Those two <laughs> movies he was in, in like, I, I don't know what the timeline, but it couldn't have been more than two or three years apart from each other. <laughs> yeah, I just
3: thought uh, I, I knew him as a kid from, well, from evolution. And then also like my name Is well. Sure. And uh, oh, I, I mean, started uh, rewatching that yeah. recently. And it's like Earl. so it's so chill it's like such a nice good nation show Mm -hmm. you know yeah he was uh he was in remember the titans because he was this lovable
2: big fat guy they're kind of a schlubby football team and it was like a race relations kind of movie uh from the 60s and stuff and or 70s or whatever and and but it's denzel washington's his coach and he goes up and he's like it's a big ethan suple whose gut is spilling out of his football uniform just just really like schlubby and stuff and he's like he's like, yeah, why'd you come to my school? Why do you want to play? Why do you want to play? He's like, coach, I just, I just want to get an education. I just want to hit some people while I'm at it, you know? And, <laughs> and, and, and Denzel, like he's giving everybody else a hard time. Denzel smiles with his Denzel thing. He goes, all right, I like that. I like that. You know, it's just like, yeah. like, I just always picture that weird scene. Cause I've seen that movie a million times, but, but, uh, he's, he's in it. Apparently he's like, you know, a based guy. Like he's like, you know and he looks great now too he's actually like super in shape and everything yeah, he's like really he's, ripped isn't he? yeah he's ripped like gym guy yeah. like like looks it looks incredible um but the head and shoulders i love that scene the classic dumb guy broken clock is right twice a day yeah uh, yeah head and shoulders has all the selenium Millennium. which like alludes to like a pseudofed meth kind of thing like like we're like oh actually like pseudofed's where you can like make meth like if you like get like you buy a bunch of pseudofed you can like make <laughs> yeah. meth but it's like a light-hearted version of that i don't know what selenium would do in a drug it's like, thing, like breaking that's, bad like, yeah, instead yeah exactly. of making
3: meth they're like fighting aliens exactly yeah, and they, like that's that. what
2: that, that alludes to is like is that kind of like why do you know that you know <laughs> like yeah. but but it's uh you and your like really stupid brother that thought a cell was a jail cell at the beginning of uh <laughs> of the uh of the thing but he he says uh selenium you know and then the, the, you do the classic like with julian Moore take your shirt off i want to look at the periodic table of elements like haha you know and uh and they he scans it down which i didn't even know that's how you did the periodic table of elements is that how that works like were you just like it's like a graph uh, i don't I, like... I don't think so <laughs> that
1: was i was like
2: is like, it's like is that what happens like you just like can like ouija board into like into I think like that's like I think yeah. that's
3: one of the, like the kind of derided <laughs> yeah. uh, moments in the movie well, it like almost this...
2: got me i was like is that what that shit does like but, i mean yeah, if anybody
3: yeah. can can like pull it off it's like david de because oh, yeah. he he plays it so straight um yeah and this Uh, is years
2: after people see him as fox Mulder, so it's like yeah exactly he's he's earned our trust
3: he has a kind of intertextual authority as like a science guy like uh Uh i love the head and shoulders thing
2: i thought that was like the coolest thing in the world when i was a kid and yes same. to be honest to be honest as as organic and healthy as i go i've switched i finally got off the head and shoulders plantation like two years ago it was the only thing that got (laughs) rid of my dandruff and that's why because it can kill aliens it can kill dandruff as well it kills everything else it's like chemotherapy yeah. it's like chemotherapy for your scalp man like um, it's, it's terrible
3: yeah when i was a kid i loved the head and shoulders thing mm. i uh i loved the little like ad for head and shoulders at the end mm. where they they all say in unison like head and shoulders round the house yes i asked my mom to get me head and shoulders shampoo and used it as a result of seeing the movie and then i think at some point like as you get a bit older you begin you develop this kind of like Uh, Like Bill Hicks' kind of contempt for advertising. Mm -hmm. So I like, I kind of learned that it was bad that there was an ad in the movie or there was like product placement in it. Uh, And now I'm just like, it's like the kind of uh, like low wet mid-wit, top web meme. I, I'm just like, yeah, this just this rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, and, and also like, I'm sorry, like maybe, maybe this was, you know, these two are correlated, of course, and it's like a slippery slope could be real. But like nowadays, it's like, dude, I watch a YouTube video and like the ad comes on. It's like this at least was a self-aware, funny thing. Like we're just we're self-aware of what we're doing. It's yeah. like
3: kind of funny that we're being so on the nose with the product placement and yeah, and it's and, like, it's, it's, yeah. The, the tone of the movie as well like mm-hmm. uh because it's like that it's so absurd that it would be shampoo and yeah. it's like this and it's fun because it's like this everyday household item as well mm-hmm. um and i also just the sort of like i don't know i don't i actually i don't think it's like cynical but like you know the the sort of like money grubbing aspect of putting Product placement and the, I mean, I don't even know if this was like official product placement or if they had like something worked out with head and shoulders. It had to have been. Yeah, um, it had to have been. But like, uh, the film also has this, you know, which it has in common with Ghostbusters, it has this kind of like libertarian streak to it, which is obviously like I feel like Ivan Raymond's political sympathies, I presume,
2: mm-hmm.
3: where like in the in the Ghostbusters, the villains are like the Environmental Protection Agency. Mm-hmm. And then in this. There's this like theme of these two independent scientists who just dis- make this discovery and then it gets like taken over by the feds. Yeah. And there are these like lines where you know Harry Block is like, I don't care who they are, stealing is stealing.
1: Yeah. You know? And then <laughs> and then like yeah.
3: David Duchovny being like, Harry, they are the cops. Yeah. You know? And I really like I think it kind of influenced my politics uh um, yeah. later on because I was I remember feeling such intense indignation that they like the government could just like come in and steal all this like scientific evidence and they, all, all of their data and stuff mm-hmm. and like trash their lab i was like i was like this is outrageous can they do this <laughs> yeah. no that
2: time was libertarian libertarian gold around that time man like that yeah. that was the that was the the time in which like it, it you know Especially Dan Aykroyd, Ivan Reitman And Dan Aykroyd being in that movie as well Dan Aykroyd being the the governor of Arizona I believe is is his title Where he just has full jurisdiction over the military I love that
3: um little thing yeah he's,
2: he's like i'm gonna make sure you never work again to like a general and the guy's like you
3: dan, can't yeah. Dan Aykroyd's, <laughs> yeah uh performance is fantastic as well i love his like oh,
2: yeah his his kind of know, like old, old timey like almost like huh wow you know you know that kind of yeah like, he's got uh, like now like, there are a
3: bunch of aliens running around my state and i want to know who's responsible yeah, exactly. <laughs> that,
2: like yeah. that that old timey kind of thing that he does and i love dan akron i just got done listening to him on my on art bell uh coast to coast uh just talking about aliens for three hours like it with the most enthusiastic oh yeah Yeah, he he drives he drives through like paranormal areas at night i think he still does it and just and just is obsessed with them and stuff and he's extremely smart too he's not just some like whoa man guy like extremely well read like just just really smart guy and he like funds a lot of stuff privately this is definitely like a libertarian movie for sure because ivan reitman and him ivan reitman died uh recently which i didn't realize um about a year ago but he died in montecito california which is up there with carmel with maybe the most beautiful places in the world uh it's just a little like oprah lives in montecito it's like one of those like celebrity towns on the beach and um it's uh right right outside of santa barbara i had a chance to walk through like that area it was so cool but he uh it's definitely like that type of like you know Clint Eastwoody libertarian kind of like uh government government bad you know even the dumb young scientist morally is better than the government coming in and they actually can solve it with their morals rather than the government can do it with their money you know it's it's yeah. uh, you know essentially it's similar to Andromeda Strain in that sense and too. then
3: uh, Julianne Moore is like working for the CDC as well. Yeah. Uh, and she's like an ep- epidemiologist, which is kind of funny yeah. now, because I feel like the, the word epidemiology has this like negative association for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Um, Damn right. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, what was I going to say? Um, no, Dan Aykroyd. Is- oh, yeah. Uh, so my hot take is that I actually kind of prefer this movie to Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. I'm not... Uh, I'm not- Huge, I'm not a huge no. Ghostbusters guy. Not and a huge. Uh-huh. I I um I actually again like I was more in the 90s there was like this cartoon extreme Ghostbusters, and mm-hmm. I, I understood that to be the original. <laughs> and then when I saw yeah. like the Ghostbusters movie, I was like, like I saw yeah. trailers for it or something. I was like, oh, they made a movie of that cartoon. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I was bye-bye. like, why it, it's all like weird though. Like, why who are these old guys like and um, obviously, I like it, um, but I also kind of find the mood of that movie is a bit, like, weird and depressing. Mm-hmm. Like the, It's kind of like a kind of dingy, like, grubby sort of mood. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, the sets yeah. and everything, like, sure. the image of New York in it. Everybody's and, got stains all over them and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and, like, uh, I find the, like, end of the movie uh, with the skyscraper fight and Zool and all this kind of stuff, I find it, like, really... I got really like bored uh-huh. when I was rewatching it recently. I I, found, I ended up like tapping out. Like I just couldn't, <laughs> I just found it really like, uh, I don't know. Just didn't it's, do it for me. Yeah. You know? It's an like, extremely
2: Gen X Reddit movie. It just is. It's yeah. uh, like for me, I'm, yeah. it was a little, it's kind of, I, I put Ghostbusters in the category of like the Goonies and those type of movies yeah. where I was like, I was, yeah. I, I'm not from that era. So I get it. Like Princess Bride, all those type of movies that like came out around that time where I'm like, I can watch it. They're fine. I don't, like, my, my yeah. wife's brother, and sister, that's their era, you know? Like, and they're like, I'm, I don't know if this is the case, but I'm sure they love those movies. You know what I mean?
3: Like, it's yeah, just, they, it, yeah. there used to be this uh, website called iMockery, which was like really early, well, not early internet content, but kind of mid period internet content before like Reddit. And, you know, it was when people used to make like personal websites that were just supposed to be like entertaining. And you got these like, you know, like, it was, uh, really like around the time of uh, like pointless waste of time.com and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that guy you know it was just this one guy but he had this like or maybe it's three guys just writing articles about movies and comics that they liked and their taste was like this kind of 80s canon of like you know like and things I like like they, they talk about like plane strains and automobiles goonies, right, right. karate kid you know all this kind of thing and like I developed this kind of like secondhand affection for some of that stuff because I was reading the site in the mid 2000s right And then, but then, yeah, it's like, I don't know, like some of that stuff, I don't think actually, it's obviously formative for those generations. But um, yeah, for me, it's like the formative movies are like Evolution, Small Soldiers, Charlie's Angels, The Mummy Returns, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like that's all great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like, I just like, I love all those movies and you know evolution for me just has this like i don't know it has this like lovely smooth clean look to it and oh yeah the, the early cgi in it is is really good and it has this like when you see the um the single-celled organisms on the slide or when there's you they've discovered the were the flat worms underneath them that, the that, that mute that that break off yeah from yeah each other, the, yeah like those images have this like wonderful early windows screensaver quality to them. Uh huh. Satisfying, I, like a satisfying I really enjoy. thing. Yeah. 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 I um, totally I, agree. I love that kind of texture and it's really like astonishing how good the CGI is of like the creatures in retrospect. Some of them yeah. are, I believe like actually puppets. Um, so they have that kind of physicality to them, but others are just CGI. And it's like, it's kind of from this, early these you know there are a few missteps with like the rock as the scorpion king and the mummy returns but <laughs> i'll say yeah but um <laughs> yeah. you know like because people were excited to be using cgi to make essentially unreal things like purely imaginative things mm-hmm. um i don't know this is probably like the billionth time i've complained about energy in movies <laughs> on, mm-hmm. a, on a podcast uh but I feel like now CGI is basically just used to depict energy.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. You know, mm. this
3: is like, like in, a, in a Marvel movie or something. I mean, yeah. okay, there'll be like a spaceship or whatever. But then it's also just like, in terms of what the actual human actors are interacting with, it's just fucking energy.
1: There's right. just
3: so much. Movies nowadays are fucking lousy with energy. There's too yeah. much of the stuff. Yeah, Jordan Peel just has like
2: racism energy that he that is that just flows around. Yeah, right? yeah. It infects all gas station employees uh, and and just and just floats around in the area, and everybody just looks at it in astonishment.
3: I but, never want to yeah. see fucking energy in a movie ever again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, this kind of dystopian thing of uh, CGI being used to just do normal scenes, like a street yeah, or a taxi yeah, cab, yeah. or something, and you're like wait hang on you know it's kind of like like i know that um and this is not a a dig at this movie in particular it's just an example that the fucking uh uh parasite was all done with cgi it's like all the it's a normal movie with no special effects but it's all cgi like all the you know it's just like one filmed in one warehouse basically i know know, that's kind of weird weird, you know yeah i think it's i know it's all monetary you know like financial decisions
3: yeah 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah. and Um, uh but but I, I do have to I do have to ask uh, here because there are two th- kind of I, mean, I don't know if they're themes, but they're two qualities of the movie to get a little meta here. But the um, the concept of time, which we've been talking about a lot on here, the concept of 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 things that can move at their own pace. Right. Like I've, that was what scared me as a kid was that the fact that like time could speed up for a certain organism but for us we age in the the, this way and and that but this thing can become a a monkey in like a week yeah you know what i mean like that uh, that always was really scary to me
3: the uh the the premise is that this comet crashes on the earth and it has like bacterial organisms on it and there's some i don't know if there's like some chemical reaction or something but basically they begin quote-unquote evolving
2: well the the Uh, mine shafts have like a a higher temperature which is yeah right so that allows speeds up the evolution yeah, and it
3: speeds up the evolution so this is like again a very like uh, like a kind of 90s early 2000s thing where there was this simultaneous interest in and misunderstanding of evolution because you also have like pokemon with like pokemon evolving ah good point but that but like it's all like you know, this is, like, where I learned the word evolution from, and mm. then, you know, you're, you're like really excited about it, because the depiction of evolution in Pokemon and in this film is just that, like, there's this, like, track laid out of just, you know, things evolving into more sophisticated organisms. Yeah. Like, not through interacting with one another and with their environment, but just, like, it's just this natural like Given. teleological growth, and, uh, and then, like, your parents, like, have to explain it to you and why that's wrong, and it's, like, really deflating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's really fun. It's basically just, like, a uh, excuse to just, you know, it's, the, like, the, the role of the comet in this movie is it's basically an excursion from, you know, uh, or, or, like, an intrusion of otherness into like the everyday world, and so it basically contains within it like the unknown and the potential yeah. to produce an endless variety of like interesting and imaginative creatures. And they obviously have so much fun with that. Um, but also, yeah, because they're like they're evolving at like an incredible pace, it has at least what like maybe the funniest line in the movie where David Duchovny's like freaked out. And he's like, yeah, but they're evolving at a incredible, you know, like that. That's like two hundred million years of evolution in two hours. And uh, Harry Block just kind of like winks at him and goes, "That's fast." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like
2: he doesn't even know like how bad that is. Like it's like it's just he just understands like the numbers of it. Like it's just like yeah. the numbers of the evolution. Yeah, and exactly. And like you know, to me, I I've looked at it this way, like. You know, of course, around this time in school, there was a big Westboro Baptist Church kind of like... We teach intelligent design no we teach evolution it was kind of like that big, yeah it's the, 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 the culture big, the,
3: wars of yesterday the, the, the,
2: the culture war of that happened now and and like evolution one as far as what gets taught in schools i mean i remember like australopithecine stuff that i had to like do book reports on or like you know a little uh stuff stuff like that and and it whatever people believe in or not i tend to i tend to go a little bit more with intelligent design that's that that uh Um, that way, but you know, it is crazy when you can see like the movie and I don't know if this was even what they're thinking, but you can look at it this way is comet comes to earth, right? Everybody thinks everybody's got everything figured out in my little desert community. This happens. We know every little life form. We know every desert flower. We know all all these things, the unknown, as, as Yurk says, the unknown hits, hits earth. And even if evolution is real, there's no one way to evolve, right? Like there's no one, there's no one way to do it. There is, you know, that's where the distortion of time comes in, comes into play, which almost every effective sci-fi movie uses is a distortion of time. Um, And the idea is that like, okay, let's say the evolution people are correct. They pretend that they have evolution completely understood. Right. Like, and, and that is where, like, even if we are going to go the route of science, the idea that science knows everything and we do need to keep funding science, however. Keep funding science so we can know more things. But as of now, this is the law of the land, you know? And then this thing comes in and is like, actually, there's no law. You have no idea how any of this works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so And I, also, I like also, just I
0: know this is a tangent on the evolution thing, but there's a, there's a difference. This is what science people conflate is like, we basically know some form of evolution is happening, you know, that something has changed, you know, causing like a pr- evolutionary pressure effect. Which I don't think has, you know, it is anti God whatsoever to observe the reality of that. But then they say, "Oh, this is how humans happened, or this is how, yeah, yeah. you know." And
2: it's kind of like it's like, wait, wait, hang on, you don't you know? know that shit. Yeah, yeah. it's like, exactly. like it's all yeah. this huge like model based projection thing where it's like then something could come in like a comment and just yeah maybe maybe yeah. you had the right idea, but that's not and also there's probably a greater work at play. If evolution is real, it's not done by yeah. this chancy Neil deGrasse Tyson, everything <laughs> lined up perfectly this one time and created well, a perfect system, you know, a, a yeah.
3: similar, a similar, like kind of work, like a sort of word that captured the imagination. I think in the, uh, in the nineties was, um, uh, m- mutant and mutation. Sure. Cause you had like the X-Men live action uh-huh. movie, which I also think is great by it's the way, but, like it's the water, very it's first great. X-Men movie. Yeah. Um, And then obviously there was like the '90s cartoon, which is one of those you know exact things that I always like catch an episode in a hotel or something. Yeah, never been able to. um, But uh, yeah, like I, you know, the funny thing about like I I like that the movie Evolution doesn't have any of this. Like I think it's like slightly prior to that kind of. That was more like in the late 2000s or like the mid 2000s. Mm -hmm. Uh, So. Just, there's no like science versus religion like yeah. cringe shit in in the movie evolution um or in Pokemon <laughs> for that matter uh-huh. uh it's just like it's just like a kind of uh like a word that sort of uh captured a kind of interest at the time I think but mm-hmm. um you know the like if you're actually talking about like the concept of evolution itself it's just it just seems to me to be kind of like the the natural selection part of it just seems to be kind of like tautologist uh where it's like yeah things that survive survive yeah and it's like okay well i'm, I'm comfortable with that we watch it happen yeah we watch it happen yeah <laughs> like, I, I don't object to that kind of thing um but the uh but then, you know, there's this kind of like deists uh, element to it where like natural selection kind of again, like like YouTube in autocorrect acquires like capital letters and it gets kind of personified and right, uh, people attribute a sort of like, the, without realizing that they're doing it, a kind of will to it. Uh, yeah, so you get exactly. that's like where you get like this kind of eugenics mindset from where people are trying mm-hmm. to like establish themselves as like you know priests on behalf of natural selection and they're trying to like in- divine its will and then act in accordance with it and um i don't you know not to get too mystical or whatever but like you know my personal view is like uh you know when when you're like talking about those actual you know so called like genetic differences or mutations by which things actually You know, change in terms of their form, even if this is occurring over an enormous time frame. Um, You know, to me, this is like always like an act of the imagination. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, people don't like to uh, conceive of animals as imaginative beings. (laughs) you know, like, uh, Uh as like incarnations of a sort of like imaginative force, which is like really what they are. Like, I feel like if you go to any aquarium and you just watch some fish floating around, it's like these, you know, it, like people are still so afflicted by this kind of mind body dualism where they, they think of like, you know, there's the brain and the body and some brains are just like smarter than others because they're bigger. And People forget that there's no such thing as like a, a a brain that isn't you know part of an entire like reciprocal interconnected system. You know the brain is always like part of the body and is always operating uh, in the context of being in the body. And so like you know it, I I think it's like a really great mental exercise for people to try out just to go and like watch some uh, an animal sure. go and watch some fish and actually just not like anatomize what they're looking at in their imagination because people habitually do this they look at an animal or a fish or something and they they're kind of like what they're seeing is actually like this schematic diagram of you know of what they can remember from biology textbooks of like that you know and they're thinking like they're interpreting what they're seeing through this lens of like well you know there's this Part of the fish, which is sending impulses to this, is like this mechanized view of it. Try and just like watch a fucking fish just as a fish, as like a, co- a coherent like totality of what a fish is swimming around, and you realize like this is like an incarnation of a very, you know, from a human perspective, like low level and unsophisticated form of thought. But like that kind of, you know, just the movements around the tank, that's like um store operating at a very rudimentary level you know which is like to do with like the navigation of physical space you know no, so true no, but it's I, like yeah. yeah when you realize this it's like a fish moving onto land you can only see it as like an imaginative act right and it's like mm. just the fact that it's occurring at this like lower level of um you know i guess like cognitive uh speed doesn't mean that it's not like a an earlier form of what is realized in us as what we call the imagination. So yeah, sorry for that. Like really lengthy. No,
2: perfect platform for this. I mean, I know yeah. like,
3: I could imagine Cy
2: was getting really excited there. Cause I mean, this is a yeah. guy who knows the sentience of animals so well that he won't eat them. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, truly, I mean, it's not even like a dig. It's just like, in a sense, like you, it's, it's totally true. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, like, like our dogs, like I can talk to my dog. I know I can. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, I, I yeah, like you know that. what I mean. Like, like, yeah. I, like, there's no, like, there's no way he just sees me as a source of food. Like, that's not <laughs> yeah. it. Like, that's not it. He doesn't sit around all day waiting for his dinner. Yeah, he, he sits around all day. He sits around. He thinks I can control the sun. He thinks <laughs> yeah. I can. He thinks I can make sun come in at times so he can lay in. And and if oh, he does, yeah. if, if it's a cloudy day, it's because I don't like him. You know what I mean? It's like this 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 kind of thing. Like, yeah, no, it's crazy. He starts getting really pissed off at me, but (laughs) no, like, but I mean, granted, again, is that me? That's still me providing a service for him. I get it. Like, they see it as a thing, but no, dude, like, like we could all the all these things. Again, like, if evolution is real, I do think it was set in. I do think that there's no one way to. There's no one system for it, and also,
3: oh no, it's like the the design of it. It was designed. It was designed. Yeah, (laughs) you know, there's also this like, uh, you know, like. Uh, interpretation of things like camouflage, mm-hmm. um, where this is always like construed as being this like accidental trait that was selected for. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, I don't know, maybe I just sound like totally insane to people because this is the kind of thing that, you know, if I talk you're about in the right pl- you're in the right place, the PL, if that, if that I'll inevitably <laughs> get like dirtbag left people like sneering at me, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, but like, no, like, uh, to me, like, I, you know, like, if you look at, like, a stick insect or something, it's, like, very obvious to me that there is, like, some kind of, uh, you know, like, I don't know how if you want to describe it as, like, a platonic essence or, like, a monad or something like that, but yeah. there is, it's not, it, I don't think it's something that can be reduced to, like, this in- incidental... Uh, camouflage developing over totally. time i think uh-huh. that like a fucking stick insect is like kind of you know engineering it in some way yeah. is like uh the incarnation of a sort of like wood i mean maybe this is because like oh, i like 90s, that like i like that you know and, and yeah. like watching pokemon and stuff and that's like you know pokemon is it, it really a sort of secularized animist show you know, yeah. where it's all about like, and so it's Digimon, you know, it's like about these like themed animals that are themed around lightning or grass or something, right? Right, but I mean, that also just does seem to be like the architecture of reality to me. Where if there's a fish that spends a lot of time amongst certain coral reefs, um, yes, it will adapt to the conditions of those yeah. coral reefs, but the effect of that is that it begins to resemble a coral reef, yeah. and so it becomes like this kind of like coral reef elemental if you want to like see it that way and i I do see it that way (laughs) and
2: and and here's the thing everybody whether they want to or not they see it that way especially like libtards see it that way because they think if you watch a fucking movie that you're going to become that so it's like or if you read a book that you're going to become that so why in the hell wouldn't a fish that hangs around this coral reef or an insect that realizes damn i keep dying because something (laughs) clearly sees me from the sky on this piece of wood I gotta engineer a way to like do that. I gotta like manifest well, my own protection. That, yeah. Mm. Uh
3: people like uh un- they unthinkingly individualize the, the the you know the insect in question or whatever. So they're like how could you know an individual stick and it's like have enough imagination to do like yeah, you know have yeah. the kind of cognitive capacity. Hate but that. it's like when you have <laughs> to look at it as like this, you know, you have to look at it as a process occurring across enormous spans of time where you're not just looking at like the the individual insect as as like the um you know i guess like the 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 central form of what that like that kind of animal is if you if that makes sense like you have to understand it as like an like the actual organism is something that exists across time and is like deploying itself through the process of reproduction and it's that consciousness that is like making those imaginative movements but via which it like actually shifts its form, you know? Mm -hmm. And like this have you know, there are like you know communities of human beings who have like uh you know they can stay underwater for like uh half an hour or more. Yeah. Because their uh you know community and their economy and their food like relies on their diving abilities right so yeah. like you can just see that like the, but that's also an imaginative act it's like the product of like a consciousness ascertaining that in order to get food it needs to dive and it, and the longer yeah. it can stay on the for the longer it, you know it's like but yeah but, I mean people don't want to credit other forms of consciousness with this kind of like you know uh imaginative capacity that I think that's
2: that's brilliant so yeah. I mean I I could go on and on and on about that. Uh, I I I think I'd like to end it where you ended it right there because I was I was beautiful. Um, uh, everybody watch Evolution. Do it. It's great. It's 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 fun. It's it's fun and great. So it, that's that's how I would describe it. Like it's it's a great movie on its own. Even if you don't like to laugh, but if you like to laugh you're gonna laugh it's just a blast it's a blast it's just a good time you're gonna be it makes me want to drive through the desert in a red jeep wrangler casey and the sunshine band Mm -hmm. all day i just want to do that um everybody listen to bistro california check that out it's a great it's a great show i i had a blast talking about Roll doll on there and the final product was so cool to to i i listened back to to a little bit of it just to just to see how it how it was and, and just hearing the final production of that was great. So um, go check that out. Uh, Yerk's going to be joining us to read some books later this year, which is going to be really cool. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. You're going to do so. You're, uh, all the pretty horses slaughterhouse five. We have some really cool stuff planned there. Um, that's that's later in the year. So uh, for now, go check out gain of fiction. It's on our sub stack. Um, and there's a reading list, um, which I update. I switch around, but I don't do it to anything super sudden. So if, if you're on a, a timeline reading, just, you know, you'll have plenty of time to adjust. Um, Yeah. Uh, Follow Yerk on Twitter. Uh, uh, He's great. Um, He wins every argument he's in. Um, I'm the judge. (laughs) I'm the judge. I'm a fair judge. I'm a fair judge. I would tell you if you lost, you didn't. You haven't. So, um, uh, yeah, just just saying, you know, like, and uh, so make make sure you check out uh, all his stuff and uh, everybody have a safe week. All right. See you guys later. Thanks, guys.